Welcome back, everybody, to Pair of Kings, where we are bringing you business as usual, tomfoolery as planned. My name is John Hogaboom, and we are joined by not one, but two other people on the podcast today. First and foremost is my co-host. Saul Thompson, everybody. Hey, Saul. John, how are you today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. I uh, just finished up, uh, oh, God, that would be seven consecutive hours of class. So. <laughs> Full time. Yeah, it's uh, definitely nice to be able to relax a little bit, pod, shoot the shoot the shit, as it as it said, uh, just have a good time. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, Saul, who else do we have in the podcast today with us? Yeah, we have uh, Instagram legend, denim consultant, uh, all around genius, kind of research god. Maybe enough with the hype, we'll get into it. It's Samutaro. Uh, that is at S-A-M-U-T-A-R-O. Welcome hey, to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's good to be on board with you guys today. Oh, thank you. How are you today? I'm very good. We're in. I'm uh, based out in London. We're having a nice sort of heat wave at the moment, so can't complain. The only annoying oh. thing I guess, is that we can't be outside right now. <laughs> we're suffering the fact that it's so sunny outside and we're all still on lockdown. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat over here. We've had our nicest weather all year and can't go out and do anything. But <laughs> I'll take it. I mean, safety first. Exactly. Yeah, I can't complain. I get my hourly run in the morning where I go out and have a bit of sun. But then, yeah, staying inside and doing my bit to keep everyone safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm in the exact same boat. The only time I really go outside is to run. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important for me, like doing like running in the mornings, like quite good for getting headspace. Mm-hmm. Spend- time online like for my work and obviously doing the Instagram so when I do my runs usually I leave my phone at home and just gives me a bit of like headspace just to get out and get my thoughts together and usually that's when some sort of the good ideas will come into my head when I'm sort of going out and running and not thinking about anything or being sort of online so stuff will usually sort of spring to mind during that time. Oh absolutely yeah running is in my experience a great uh process for thought formulation things like that yeah so samuel to start things off we are a fashion podcast so we're going to start things off with the fit check what have you got on today my friend Uh, i thought that as we'd be doing a podcast i wasn't sort of too conscious but luckily i have (laughs) we do like to surprise our guests with the fit check it's got to be natural no it is i think yeah during quarantine i've been basically sort of uh, stuck in either my Levi's vintage jeans or my needles um, track bottoms, which I've got on today. I've got one of the pair of the London special edition ones, oh, uh, the, the velour ones. So they're super comfy. And when I get up in the morning, especially during lockdown, I always have to get dressed. It kind of gets me in the right frame of mind for getting started. Because if I just wear sort of like slobbish stuff, then I just don't feel like I'm in the right kind of like mind to start working. So, yeah, I've got my needles track pants on and I've got one of my vintage Nirvana shirts. I've got quite an incredible collection of vintage tees. So always got a good selection to put on each morning. Very nice. Sounds awesome. Very good fit. Saul, how about yourself? Um, so I will preface this. Uh, seeing as I just came out of classes, I am... Still in my pajamas. However, <laughs> I did lay out an outfit uh, to wear later in the day. Um, so I'm going to look at that and tell you what that is, as opposed to describing these disgusting pajamas I'm in. So I've <laughs> um, got no shoes, um, as always, kind of in quarantine. 
Uh, I have a pair of Studio Dartison uh, 40th Anniversary Gold uh, Selvage Denim, which are, I think, my, my current pair that I'm wearing down. Um, a Uniqlo-Keith Herring collaboration tee uh, from like four or five years ago that my mom got me for my birthday. That's nice. Um, yeah, that was way back when. Uh, and I've worn that shirt probably every week since, and it is still in great condition, which is astounding. Um then I've got my belt, and it's pretty warm out today, so I'm not doing any sort of jacket or sweater situation. Yeah, the artisan's a nice touch as well, and good on you for wearing selvage denim inside during quarantine as well. I'm oh. quite interested to sort of find out whether people were wearing denim, but obviously I wear it because it's something that I've got a lot of in my wardrobe, and I just love them, but mm-hmm. I was quite curious, and I put it out on my Instagram and did sort of like one of those um, votes to see who was wearing denim, and I was quite surprised that a lot of people were. Um, wearing it but yeah studio desserts and they're amazing because they're one of the sort of osaka five which like the original mm-hmm. dent brands to come out of japan no they're they're incredible and i've got another pair of sda um i don't think they're 40th anniversary although they might be um denim that i broke in over the past year and i i tell this to people and they look at you know they look at me like i'm a like a psychopath but once you break them in they're insanely comfortable like i'd almost prefer them to a pair of like sweatpants just because yeah. one they make me feel like there's you know a semblance of normalcy to my days but two they're they're genuinely super comfortable yeah that's a beauty of sort of denim especially if you can go through that kind of boundary of breaking jeans in from raw once you have got them sort of worn in and all the fades then they literally mold to your body and that's mm-hmm. what's so amazing about them. do you wash them uh I soaked them one time uh, a couple of months ago. Right. That's the yeah. thing. I think people are quite precious of their jeans, and there's so many kind of myths <laughs> online yeah. of what you should do with your denim. It's like <laughs> go in the sea or like freeze them and things like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can actually wash them. It's just, I think, yeah, using like cold water and not putting them in like a tumble and using like a light detergent and you're good to go and you're not walking around stinking. <laughs> Don't be afraid of the wash, folks. John, what have you got on right now? Um, nothing too crazy. It's been a it's been a work day for me, so pretty typical working out of my room outfit. Uh, I have on top. I have the very exclusive official pair of kings T-shirt, one of three <laughs> in the world. <laughs> um, my pants. I did wear pants today instead of shorts, so I'm quite proud of hey. myself. But they are a pair of leopard print Cookman Chef pants, so not exactly mm. the most formal pant in my collection. And uh, on the feet, we have a little bit of a stray from my normal footwear, uh, Samuel. I typically wear a pair of Birkenstocks on this podcast, deemed the Poddenstocks. But today I have a pair of Hoka One One Hapara They are a sandal that Hoka just came out with this season, and I absolutely love them. They're super comfortable and a great hiking sandal. Nice. I'm a big fan of uh, leopard print. I've got quite a bit in my wardrobe. I've got a great pair of um, Guilty Parties, Japanese label. It's kind of like like textured, almost like fur-like fabric. It's a short, so I wear them quite a lot. And I always get questions when I wear them if I post them like it's like a fit pit on, on Instagram. And then I've got quite a few denim jackets that are sort of leopard print as well. So it's definitely one of my guilty pleasures. <laughs> yeah, I've been really into the animal prints lately. Uh, I think I can put together a full leopard print outfit now. Shirt, uh, shirt, pants and shoes. So 
keep an eye out on Instagram for that one, folks. <laughs> yeah. And I'm definitely done trying to get myself a pair of Birkenstocks as well. I've got the um, needles. They've done a collaboration with a Swedish clog company and I've got a couple of pairs of those, but they've got kind of like a platform on them and they're mm-hmm. fine sort of to walk around. But sometimes when I've gone off the curb a couple of times, I'm almost twisted my ankle or run across <laughs> and left one clog in the road and it's nearly got run over by a truck. But I think Birkenstocks are definitely a bit more of a um, practical choice. <laughs> one of my friends who I talked to on Instagram, um, Thebo, he's the... Um, footwear designer at Dior and he's always wearing his Birkenstocks and he had a great pair the other day um, that are kind of like embellished and they're done by Hollywood Trading Company who are like a LA based um, kind of like heritage brand but mm. I've got my own maybe getting a customized pair from them. Oh wow yeah I know Fibo has quite a few connections in the footwear world. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he loves his uh, Nikes as well as Jordans he's banging into them. Yeah, he's got the the big collab with Jordan coming out in July now, I believe. Yeah, because that all got postponed, didn't it, with mm-hmm. the um, pandemic that happened. They were going to do a big release out in Selfridges that I was going to go down to, but that was literally just when it all kind of like happened in London. Then it got shut down. Yeah, I believe they just announced it got pushed back to July 7th, I think. So for anyone connected enough to get a pair of Dior Jordan 1s, be sure to keep an eye out for those. <laughs> so samuel we'll uh we'll get right into the meat and potatoes of this podcast we've sent you a list of questions and uh we'll let the listeners get to know you a little bit better so starting off we just want to know how are you doing in quarantine what have you been reading watching and doing to fill your time and stay occupied yeah so um with the reading i recently um came across a few stacks of old magazines. Once when I was out running, um, someone had just left out like a big pile oh. of like, old days magazines, ID, like the face. Um, and as I sort of ran past, I stopped in, in my tracks and just looked over and went and had a look through and then ended up picking up a load of them because they were all sort <laughs> of late 90s and early 2000s. I actually went back for a second round, but when I went back again, they most of them were gone. But um, there's another guy who lives downstairs in my building um, he's a Japanese hairdresser and he had a whole load of magazines that he was giving out as well. So I've basically been pouring through a lot of those recently and sort of scanning the images and um, posting them up on my Instagram. So it's amazing to look back at some of these old images. Um, it's quite, yeah, because I think so much of what you see on Instagram at the moment is like overly saturated sort of images that are getting reposted. And a lot of the images might have been seen before, or they're like super clean and sort of photoshopped. So it's quite refreshing to look back at some of these sort of old images and the articles that they have in them. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then watching, I've uh, a lot of what I kind of watch links to my Instagram as well. So I recently did a post on um, David Sorrenti, um, and he, they, his family had put out a documentary um, last year, I think it came out, and it's called See No Evil. Um, so I definitely recommend people to watch that one. It's all um, got like his family talk about him and friends and everyone that kind of grew up with him and was around the sort of scene. Um, throughout the 90s so it's a really kind of authentic um, tale around him Um, and then quite a bit of anime as well my wife she's from South Korea and is constantly watching a lot of anime Um, we watched Perfect Blue um, which is like a classic 1997 (laughs) that psychological like thriller um, yeah Ashikon and that one actually came out of a post um, from one of my friends 
uh, my clothing archive. Um, his name's Etienne. He's based over in um, Quebec, and he'd sent me um, this shoot from uh, Richardson magazine that fe featured Kim Kardashian, and they basically um, reenacted a lot of the iconic scenes from that. Um, and I hadn't seen the movie before, so I ended up watching that. And then we ended up watching um, Paprika afterwards as well, which is oh. obviously another one of his classic movies. Wow, very nice lineup. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, a lot of the stuff, what I usually watch, it's yeah, linked to my Instagram or stuff that sort of inspires me in that kind of way. Like could be like Larry Clark films, um, your lovely animes and things like that. Yeah, definitely. It's good to tie everything in. You have that cohesive media diet. Yeah, I don't really watch a lot of TV, to be honest. We don't have a TV at home. Um, we've okay. got a projector, though, so that's quite good for watching movies and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on the topic of your Instagram account, what inspired you to create it? Um, I guess, it, for me, it's always been kind of like a platform for sort of my research and sharing inspiration mm -hmm. um, people have probably been following me from the start will know that a lot of it was kind of got geared towards um, denim because obviously I work in the denim industry so um, a lot of it sort of was cohesive with that and me posting about um, stuff that I was seeing if I was going to like trade shows or just sort of different kind of like subcultures um, that was surrounding it I always wanted to kind of tell like a, a story behind denim that wasn't kind of typically told I guess with denim a lot of it's kind of geared towards sort of heritage and you think of like turn of the century and workwear and things like that but no one was really sort of talking about the newer kind of stuff from I guess like 70s 80s 90s and all of those kind of subcultures that sort of surrounded it um, so that was kind of my sort of point of view of what I was doing then but as I was doing it I was just touching on more and more kind of wider sort of um, cultural topics that were sort of surrounding that not that I felt restricted, but a lot of that stuff was just things that I was into and I didn't want to be just sort of restricted just to be posting denim. And as I posted more things sort of around like T-shirts or um, just sort of cultural touch things and things like that, those things were like really resonating with the audience. Um, so that says I just started expanding after that, really. Um, about this time last year as well, um, Lawrence from Grailed, he hit me up and I think I only had about 9,000 followers at that point and he loved what I was doing and the way that I was telling the narratives behind a lot of the stories and he's like oh hey do you want to do a weekly column on Grailed um, and as I started posting on that that was kind of pushing me more to sort of touch on these sort of wider cultural topics as well and I did a couple of judging um, spots on PAQ which is a British mm -hmm. kind of like style YouTube channel um, and that kind of like pushed me more to sort of do stuff because I started getting more of a following so yeah, from there, I've just been experimenting with stuff, really. And it's kind of just, I guess, like a reflection of stuff of what I'm sort of into personally um, and just what I'm sort of curious about exploring. Definitely. Yeah, well, you do an excellent job. Your page is super interesting. And anyone who's not familiar with it in the audience, please go follow this man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's been good. The past sort of year or so, it's yeah, really blown up. And as I've been sort of delving more into sort of these topics and telling these stories around uh, all the different kind of things of what I post about, people really love that. Just hearing the narratives, I think that was my kind of point of difference when I sort of started um, really trying to push the account. And I didn't even know whether people would really sort of be reading the captions because I was just loading them with 2,200 characters, like literally right to the max. <laughs> but as I started doing that, then I was getting more and more kind of engagement with it. 
um, and that kind of yeah just sort of spurred me on. It's a bit of a love of labour, labour of love even, but um, it's definitely worth it because I get a lot of enjoyment out of it and I learn just as much, I think, as the readers do as well. Mm. So you mentioned your account started as a place to post kind of different things or, or different, you know, images or research, I guess, behind denim. Um, yeah. Was that kind of what got you into fashion? Was was denim itself? Um, or was that kind of like an acquired taste that you found down the road? Like what got you into fashion and style? Um, I think just growing up like skateboarding um, and just having sort of a curiosity into fashion. I used to buy a lot of magazines from like my local news agents and I'd get them to order in sort of imports from America as well that you couldn't get hold of. So I was always trying to get, um, yeah, just anything just sort of to feed my curiosity, I guess, like reading like Sidewalk magazine or things like Dazed um, and just reading sort of the stories behind sort of like brands and things like that. Um, going thrifting, that was always something that I was really into when I was younger, like going to stores and I'd go to vintage places and speak to the people who own the stores and starting to find out about products and where they came from, sort of the history and the different eras and what kind of products sort of came out of those times. Um, and then I studied fashion at university as well. So obviously I really sort of immersed myself in it at that point as well. Mm -hmm. And then obviously from there, then got straight into a job um, working in the trend industry as well. And I think working in trend, it's a lot about connecting the dots and sort of seeing what's mm -hmm. happening both in fashion and culture, um, lifestyles and things like that. And then be able to sort of tell um, the story and insight around what makes those things relevant. And a lot of that stuff of what I've learned through that work sort of applies to what I do with my Instagram as well so it's almost sort of second nature to be able to sort of tell these stories so whenever I'm sort of looking around and finding images I'm always sort of connecting those dots and that's how I kind of pull together the stories because a lot of what I do post it might be something that's sort of culturally driven but then there might be a fashion aspect of it so it's pulling together all those different aspects and then telling a kind of cohesive story with that. Mm -hmm. Moving down our list of questions, where does the name Samutaro come from? Yeah, a lot of people ask this because um, it might sort of seem confusing. People, a lot of people think that I might be Japanese from it. And the name itself does have um, links to Japan. Um, it's actually, you, you, might, you guys might know, it's Momotaro. So mm -hmm. it's like an old Japanese folktale about the Peach Boy. Um, but it's also a denim brand um, that's taken the same name as well. And it was kind of just a spin on that. Um, mm. I didn't really sort of know that my account would become something of what it is now. So it was just something that I had right from the start when I first sort of signed up um, for Instagram and it just kind of stuck from there. I almost did change it about a year ago and I was asking one of my friends, I was like, oh, do you think I should change it? And then once I started getting more followers, then the name kind of stuck and I don't really mind it now. It's fine. Well, I didn't <laughs> ever not mind it before, but yeah, I think it's just become what it is. Yeah, I gotcha. mean, I'm certainly a fan of it. I think it fits nicely and you stand out like, I mean, I recognize the name Samutaro when I see it on the Explore feed or anything like that. Yeah, um, I think it's the same for the name and then the icon as well, because I was going to change that recently. And then people were like, no, you can't change it because I'm so used to seeing it sort of pop up in the stories. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, on the topic of your account, where would you like to see it go in the future? Do you think there's another step that you're looking to take or do you just kind of want to see it evolve naturally throughout the progression of time? 
Um, yeah, I guess because it's only really been sort of a year that I've been pushing it to be what it's become now. And I'm yeah, super stoked that it's got the following that it has. Um, I've already sort of had a few kind of, sort of not partnerships, but collaborations that I've done with people like High Snobiety, obviously mm-hmm. like the week I do with Grailed. Um, Hype Beast hit me up um, during quarantine as well, and I helped them put together some of their behind the hype videos. And video was something that I've always been wanting to try and um, sort of explore on my page and being able to work with a platform like them. And they have a whole kind of production team that it just made sense to be able to do it with them. Um, I'm not really sort of familiar with any of the programs or doing any of the editing myself. And I wanted it to look kind of a certain way. So having their kind of like backing really kind of allowed me to execute it in the way that I'd like it to look. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked a couple of times with some brands recently as well um, and I'd like to do more partnerships in that kind of way like helping them sort of tell their narratives and their history um, sort of connecting it in the same way that I do with sort of cultures and kind of more kind of deeper and niche kind of stories within their history because mm. people seem to be so kind of like captivated by that and you think the things like the Jordan documentary of what's sort of coming out now, you can really tell that brands are starting to tell a lot of these kind of untold stories. Um, so I'd like to try and yeah collaborate a little bit more with brands in that way. Uh, people have been asking a lot for zine as well. So obviously that's probably like next kind yeah. of natural progression to do from the page. You've got so much content on there. So to be able to sort of pull it together and sort of tell a narrative through like a physical form. Um, that will really help kind of elevate the page, I think, and just having a, a physical product that um, people who follow the account, that they can um, have that. It will just, yeah, just leverage the page a bit, bit more, I think. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan of zines um, just in general. I think that they're a really interesting way to kind of disseminate information and work. Yeah, um, it's yeah, that's that's an awesome idea. Yeah, I've got a couple of sort of ideas of what I kind of want to do for the topics, but I won't give it away just yet. But there's a couple <laughs> of things. I think I'll keep it quite sort of specific and have like one thing with it and then maybe do like some special um, product that might come with it, um, mm. some packaging maybe, and then like a T-shirt or something like that and make it kind of like a collector's item. Cool. Very nice. That's awesome. So you have both in interviews and on your account, been an outspoken advocate for sustainable fashion. Um, What are some steps that we, and I mean like the colloquial we, can take to kind of lessen our personal environmental impact through fashion, which is, you know, like I think it's the second worst or the third worst industry for pollution. Um, Yeah, Yeah, it's the second worst, I think, after the oil industry. But then you think if we're going to start moving to uh, renewable energy soon, then fashion's fast going to become the most polluting. Um, but yeah, I've always sort of yeah, been a big advocate. I think working in fashion, especially the denim industry, and they're kind of known as being like one of the biggest kind of polluters of it. And you see, I go to factories and you see a lot of how it all kind of works behind the scenes. And that really kind of like pushed me on to try and send that message through what I do. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, in terms of what people can do themselves, like vintage, like buying vintage is one of the best ways and easiest ways that people can lower their impact, I think. That's obviously becoming sort of a bigger kind of movement at the moment as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. platforms like Grailed, you've got Depop, Vestia Collected and things like that. All these platforms are making it easier for people to shop online for vintage. And then not only that, but there's a lot of sort of influencers who are pushing sort of um, vintage products. You see like whether it's rappers like wearing old vintage band tees or people getting back into like 
old archive products and things like that. I think that's really kind of like positive message um, and an easy way for people, yeah, to kind of close the loop, as they say, because that product already already exists. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the old product as well, especially things like denim or T-shirts, they're built to last. Um, you see a lot of stuff that's made nowadays, especially with fast fashion, it's kind of, it's not built to last in the same way as old product is. Mm-hmm. And also just the kind of like authenticity that you have with it. I love the kind of story of like where that product might have been before, um, the way it fades. Obviously, denim lends itself yeah. really well to that as well. So being able to sort of live with the product and um, appreciate some of the kind of like blemishes or the ways that it tears and things like that. And even getting stuff repaired as well, instead of throwing mm-hmm. things out, getting stuff repaired is and um, increasing sort of the longevity of a product is a great way. Mm-hmm. Um and then I guess just being more conscious of the brands that you buy into as well. A lot of people now within their sort of corporate social responsibility reports or in their websites, they'll explain what sort of things that they're doing um, in terms of sustainability. Um, so just reading a bit behind kind of the lines and seeing you know, where products are made um, and just trying to align, I guess, your values with other brands that are doing the same thing. I think mm-hmm. people like Noah, who's based in New York, they do an amazing job. Um, sort of conveying the the messages of what they're about and they're so honest in sort of their transparency it's quite refreshing to see a brand like that like they'll post like a product and they'll explain like where it was made the cost of the labor um, and all the kind of details that people don't really know about and sort of giving more visibility to the consumer and understanding kind of the costs that go into the product um, yeah. both from like material perspective as well as um, the human impact of it as well um, yeah. Yes, I love what they do. I think they're a brilliant brand. I agree. I thought with how secretive brands are about their production process, it was really impressive that Noah went and explained everything bit for bit. Yeah. And I think, yeah, just when Noah sort of started as well, it's like people who kind of grew up on that streetwear culture as well, they're probably a lot more kind of, they've grown up with it now and they're a bit more kind of aware of mm-hmm. the product as well. So, I think it really kind of aligns with sort of the mindset of the consumers as well, as well as encouraging younger ones to sort of participate more in that field. Absolutely. So on the topic of the progression towards sustainable fashion, uh, brands like Dries Van Noten and Gucci are announcing that they're reducing shows and moving on their own schedule. Uh, The CFDA and the BFC are calling for a reset. Uh, What do you think about this progression with brands kind of taking matters into their own hands and saying we're not going to put out four collections a year we're going to kind of do our own thing yeah i think it's a definitely it's a really sort of positive move um hearing brands like that making this kind of move and making a statement against it because if you think about it the way that it's happening now there's so many seasons and they all seem to overlap and mm-hmm. they have the pre-falls now and you never really know as sort of a consumer like where one starts and one finishes so um i think the whole topic of overproduction and waste as well is something that really needs to be addressed within the fashion industry. And that kind mm-hmm. of speaks to this, like the whole, yeah, too many seasons sort of happening. So brands definitely need to kind of reduce the amount of what they're um, going to be putting out. I'm not sure what the kind of intentions are for, for those brands in terms of that, whether they'll still be delivering as much product or they're just changing the way that they'll be delivering it. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely that kind of need to reduce the amount of product because there's all these statistics that sort of say, um, how much sort of fashion's produced against sort of the populations. And it's just crazy. It doesn't even make sense. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. The overproduction right now is insane. But then, I mean, you'll see sneakerheads complain that there isn't enough production because they couldn't get their new <laughs> Nike Dunks. Definitely. That's the thing, that, that kind of product, it speaks well to kind of good design, though, doesn't it? So I think yeah, brands absolutely. can probably take notice of that kind of thing instead of pushing out so much of like cheap product that's not really kind of going to be relevant in a few years, like being more focused on delivering something that's a bit more covetable and that people will kind of treasure and it will have mm-hmm. at least some value after the life of um, when it's been purchased. And I guess that's what's so good about the resale culture and everything that's happened within streetwear recently, even though there's a lot of people that are kind of making a lot of money off that, it's good that this product's staying kind of in the loop and um, it's not just sort of being thrown away. Absolutely, yeah. Um, On the topic of fashion and style, how would you classify or describe your own personal style? Um, I think, yeah, I'm a lot, I'm into vintage mainly. I try and Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of stuff at the moment. I've been, especially during quarantine, trying to cut down the amount of stuff of what I've got. Um, I mainly just sort of live in, yeah, my vintage band tees and my jeans and things like that. So I'd, I'd say it's mainly kind of like grunge inspired. I like a lot of kind of like cues to sort of like the old sort of like 80s sort of punk and sort of hardcore looks. Um, but then I do like sort of dress it up a little bit as well. So uh, I like brands like Our Legacy because they kind of tap oh, into yeah. that kind of look of what i'm into from a vintage perspective but then they do it in a more kind of like elevated way um mm-hmm. yeah so i'd say they're my main kind of touch point do you have a vintage grail that you haven't acquired yet Ooh. Mm. there's a couple of seditionaries teas that i'm after at the moment yes vivian westwood tits tea and yes. there's a guy called seditionary sex pistols and he's got uh, so many good teas and I've been bugging him during quarantine to try and get me a couple of pieces I'm after the um, snow white one with the seven dwarfs seven where they're having an orgy yeah um, because he's in lockdown at the moment he's got all his stuff in storage so I have to wait until he can get back out there before I can get my hands on it oh, one of my personal grails from that collection is I think it's a little bit common but the god save the queen tea but yeah, also he made one it's a god save the queen tea but uh mclaren or westwood whichever one was i guess they did it together um they screen printed a um like swastika and then put a cross through that behind the queen Uh, Uh, mouse on it i think yeah yeah uh i thought that was pretty awesome i think it would be something that i would definitely own i don't think i'd ever want to wear something with a swastika as somebody who is jewish um just, it would, you know, would make me a bit uncomfortable, but those tees are so incredible. Like those, those two cowboys, uh, like tank top almost, but the, yeah. the cut sleeves are just, yeah, like, that's iconic. one of the ones that I'm after as well. I love that oh. one. <laughs> You'll have to send me pictures if you <laughs> manage to get your hands on one. But yeah, those products are amazing. And like you said, I think it's quite interesting with sort of t-shirts and the way that they kind of capture time as well. And you think about that whole sort of movement that was happening during sort of the sort of 70s then and the punk movement and the way that they were doing these kind of like drastic designs and they're still shocking now but at the time it must have been even more so so it's amazing oh, yeah. to think that people were sort of wearing it out in the street then you can imagine how much kind of raised eyebrows they were kind of getting and I think some people even McLaren or one of the guys who worked in the store I read that he got arrested um, off King's Road for wearing one of the t-shirts it might have been the cowboy one actually because obviously it's got the guys with their dicks out so I think <laughs> he got nicked by a policeman for wearing that one yeah even I think you know something about the shirts that's even cooler is the fact that they're meant to be kind of 
destroyed as you wear them, right? And that's part of their allure. Yeah. Um, so you almost, I guess you kind of do have to feel bad about wearing them just in case you like stain them. But in terms of like ripping them and wearing them out, you know, that's part of the, the draw. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I was kind of curious about when I got my one. It had kind of all these holes that were around the hemline. And I was mm -hmm. like, I asked the guy who I got them off and I said, did they come pre-distressed like this? Did they do that? And he said, no, a lot of the people back then, because they were wearing sort of the studded belts and obviously it was like yep. punk culture, they were ripping them up themselves or they would just naturally get torn like that. And I'm not really sort of precious about collecting things, everything that I've got that's vintage in my wardrobe, I wear it. So I think it only adds to the character of wearing pieces. And I think the only one that probably would be one you wouldn't wear out so much is that destroy one when that's like a mm. kind of slim material. So I think that's such a valuable piece anyway. And not that you'd want to be wearing that one out with the swastika <laughs> on it, but yeah, that one is probably likely to get trashed quite quickly. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny because Playboy Carty, he wore that one on the cover of his album, didn't he? And if you look, you can actually see the swastikas um, erased out on it. And I, that's one of the posts that I did actually on Seditionaries. And a lot of people didn't notice that. And there's unedited pictures that you can see that he's actually wearing the real one. But I thought it was quite interesting that he didn't want any smoke and sort of took that out. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Destroy T on the cover of, it's the self-titled album, right? That's it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So we've talked about like seditionaries, we've talked about some of, you know, Japanese denim brands, whether that be SDA or you mentioned Momotaro, which is another brand, but yeah. regardless, uh, in your opinion or in your expertise, what are some great underrated or unknown brands? Chrome Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Who are they? I've never heard of them. Yeah. Wait, well, who's, who's that? It's funny because I posted about them the other day because it's always just a good one. I love their designs because they sort of take vintage denim and then they sort of upcycle it with these but it's like the play con the gas on things and it's just become sort of like a meme in itself but people just love to see it um mm. but no some of the brands i guess that i like that are a bit more kind of underrated um there's a guy that's based out in new york called i never heard of you um yeah he's been sort of getting some attention he did some flips on the jordan one where he's got a finger like middle finger instead of the um nike swoosh and then it's got mm -hmm. a few kind of other nice sort of sign offs on it as well um and he's been following me for a long time and been mm -hmm. sort of sending me his products and been sharing it and it does really well people are really interested in designs um and he's been doing some interesting drops recently um a couple of caps and some t-shirts i kind of like the way that he operates and it's it'll just do like random drops and he'll tea stuff and then it'll sort of come out whenever and just sort of be a limited amount um so yeah really like what he's doing at the moment um there's a kid from pennsylvania called das yori um and he does mm -hmm. denim um but he's i don't know how old he is he must be sort of like 18 maybe or something like that but his creative output's like insane like if you look on his instagram like every day he's there like working on jeans whether he's like bleaching them patching them doing embroideries um and it's really inspirational to see sort of young kids like that and sort of the work ethic that they have um and we're actually sort of partnering him with a denim factory over in Turkey at the moment, actually. So he's going to be working on some special projects um, with them. And wow. it's good to see, like, give a young kid like him, like put him on and get him to, because even though he's sort of doing all this DIY stuff at home, just giving him a glimpse into seeing how stuff um, sort of done in sort of mass production. Um, so hopefully he should get a chance to get out and sort of see a factory and 
um, sort of understand the processes and it's, he's going to be like a kid in a candy shop and they're getting to play with like all the laser machines and dying and things like that. Um, and then another brand, not fashion so much, um, it's rugs, which is another topic which I've been touching on recently, um, is Noreen Seabrook. You guys might know them from New York and they basically do um, these hand-woven rugs that are done out in Nepal. Um, and they're traditional kind of style rugs and they do the famous kind of tiger ones which come from that region but he takes a lot of kind of like imagery from pop culture and art and things like that and then he'll rework them through these amazing kind of hand-woven rugs. Um, I did a recent write-up on him with an interview recently so if people want to sort of find out more um, they can find that on my feed. Definitely go check that out guys that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So on the topic of brands, uh, this is probably a question more targeted for Saul because he is our local denim expert here on Pair of Kings. But what is your favorite denim brand? I'm going to just be obvious and just say Levi's because I just think they're just the classic and they're the original. Mm -hmm. That's what I wear most. Um, I think if you look back through the archive, they've got so many amazing pieces and they've been there through so many kind of like cultural moments, whether it's sort of the 60s when you've got sort of got the bikers wearing them and then the 70s when there's the whole kind of like hippie movement that was sort of happening over in San Francisco and then all the customization and things like that and then through sort of like 90s and escape cultures they've got such a kind of rich history that there's so much to choose from um, throughout their kind of like archive um, but aside from that I really like Capital um, obviously that's another kind of obvious name to sort of drop at the moment but I've been following the brand for a long time obviously working in the denim industry and getting to travel over to Japan and going to the stores and getting the whole experience of being in the stores and seeing how it is there and their whole kind of craft of what they do I'd love to get down to Kojima where they're based and um, get to see it all kind of in action in the factories there um, mm -hmm. yeah they're an incredible brand I love what they do yeah I mean, that's definitely somewhere where I, I would love to go as well. I think I'd have multiple heart attacks going through that area. <laughs> that whole area, is, they call it's like the kind of destination for denim in Japan. So mm -hmm. they have all like brands like Momotaro, they're based there and a lot of like the original kind of like denim mills. Um, so you can get to see all like the indigo dyeing and all the old shuttle looms and how the denim's kind of traditionally made back there. Mm -hmm. oh. So... Yeah. We've talked about how you kind of started posting with denim and you've now kind of explored even outside of the world of fashion. You've done, you know, rugs um, yeah. or carpets. Um, do you have a favorite post that you've made or a favorite kind of general topic that you post about? Um, I think at the moment, a lot of the things around art's been quite interesting and been getting a lot of um, traction. Um, obviously, there's so much sort of stuff that's sort of reposted and I think a lot of the kind of clothing stuff getting quite saturated so I'm just trying to sort of branch out a little bit and just touch on some other kind of subjects to have a bit of a point of difference and then also just share some of the things that I've um, been into and things that have inspired me over the years like recently I did the Damien Hurst the pills one that was mm -hmm. quite interesting sort of doing like a deep dive into that and sort of the, the all the archive of what Damien Hurst did from like the 90s through to today um even things like Kidult, who's one of the graffiti artists. I think he's Paris-based originally, but he was the one that was doing all those crazy tags on the stores using the fire extinguisher. That was one that was, I thought it was quite like a low-key thing, but when I posted it, it like blew up and everyone was really into it. Um, and obviously that has kind of like a, a touch on fashion as well. So a lot of the things I'm quite sort of conscious of not going too kind of off track and 
having something that still kind of connects back to the page. Um, other things like, uh, what have I done recently? Richard Prince. He's one of my favorite American artists as well. Um, mm -hmm. He did this amazing series of cars recently where he kind of like plastered them um, with sort of photos of like old 70s sort of porn adverts and different fashion ads and things like that. And then obviously he's done collaborations with people like Louis Vuitton, um, mm -hmm. where they did the, the Nurse series. And I think it was Mark Jacobs did that. I can't remember the year. Um, but then there's also some of his archive of pieces as well, where it's the the jokes series that he did and he's got like teas with like Kate Moss posted in them um, that one's a really good one that did well on the page uh, and even stuff like Chapman Brothers as well they're quite out there in terms of, like their designs um, that one's done really well I did a McDonald's post where it's got all these kind of figures of Ronald McDonald sort of up on a cross and then there's Nazi soldiers and things like that and again that was one that I thought was maybe a bit sort of touch and go but people absolutely loved it which was amazing and it kind of gives me a bit more confidence to sort of push it in that direction that people are on board with that kind of thing yeah absolutely uh so we've had a lot of serious questions we're going to take a quick break do one that takes a little more uh, pressure off the shoulders samuel how many jars of peanut butter do you think you could eat in a week <laughs> it's a good question thank you i actually love peanut butter so I reckon I could go through maybe a good, well, my wife's saying seven at the moment, but I reckon <laughs> would be a safe bet because I'd put peanut butter on like toast and I'd have it with like banana. I'd put it, I'd put it in my uh, sort of protein shakes as well. And then I have like protein bars that have peanut in it as well. So I could go pretty hard on it. I prefer the crunchy over smooth as well, I'd say. Ah, okay. That was our follow-up question. So yeah. man, you're a peanut yeah. butter expert. So I go to America know. as well. I love because obviously there they have the the proper skippy stuff like in the UK mm -hmm. you definitely don't have as much sugar as what you guys have in your <laughs> butter so I always like try and stock up whenever I go over there and have a few kind of jars when I come back home yeah I've since turned away from that stuff because it's so much worse for you than the natural stuff but it tastes so good it is it's amazing I remember seeing on a lot of like programs when I was younger the whole was it peanut butter and jelly thing but I'd never tried it, and I think they had, when I tried to do it in the UK, it wasn't quite the same as when I had it over in America, because you guys, again, you have different jam over there. Mm -hmm. Everything has just way more sugar over here. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, um, so taking you back, kind of maybe, maybe turning down the seriousness from that previous hard-hitting question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your research progress or process excuse me like i you know your your posts are obviously incredibly well researched you say that you you know very often hit the upper limits of what instagram will allow you to kind of put in a comment of a post um so what is your process for kind of you know finding information and and organizing these posts that you make yeah so i guess just generally it's i do a lot of sort of browsing around whether it's on instagram or um across sort of like the internet as well and just sort of finding images and I'll save them down I've, I think I've got like 18,000 images in my phone library at the moment um so I try and sort of either mentally keep track of them or I fold I've started to fold them just because the amount of images mm -hmm. just got too crazy now and I often sort of forget about things um but once I've seen an image like it could be one image that will just trigger me and I'll just end up going on like a deep dive 
on that <laughs> particular thing or it could be that I'm, I see something and I'm like okay I need more of that because it's quite obscure and then I have to wait a while and then as I find more then I'm like okay I've got enough now and then I'll start writing up the post um mm-hmm. I have a lot of people as well that kind of like feed into me and just sort of friends who are into similar stuff as well um people like justified arrogance um nick mm. uh, nick fit from sonic youth archive he's quite good at sort of like feeding me images especially for like the graphic tees and things like that and just mm. having those kind of conversations with people like over dm and figuring out like what the angle could kind of be or what's the kind of the point of the post as well because mm. i find you have to have kind of like a, a specific kind of angle with it for it to make sense um so yeah a lot of it i have to do research and then putting quotes together as well um and then yeah obviously doing the write-ups quite hard as well because with 2200 characters it's quite hard sometimes <laughs> to when you're going on like a, a specific subject not to kind of go overboard so sometimes i'll write it in my notes and then i have to post it in and then see if i've hit the limit or not and then sort of editing from there um mm-hmm. but it's always yeah it's fun to do it and i always just enjoy doing sort of the reading around it as well and um finding the stories behind a lot of these sort of products or the stories as well because I will often be familiar with a lot of the images but once you start reading around behind it you find out all the kind of details and you just like oh wow that's what it kind of means and that's what the context is behind it um so it's always kind of good practice as well to sort of read a lot of these articles and then digest it and then um, give my spin on what it is and why it's kind of relevant and that's why it's good to have the kind of 2200 limit because um it really kind of like pushes you to make it like a small concise story and to make it sort of digestible for people Mm -hmm. very nice so in the world of fashion and really in pop culture as a whole we see collaborations popping up left and right some are good most unfortunately lately have not been good (laughs) um but samuel what is your dream collaboration that you'd love to see for what I'd like to see or for myself? Either or. <laughs> or both. Um, I think, yeah, for me personally, I'd probably, yeah, with my denim kind of background, I'd love to do a collaboration with Levi's um, in some way. Uh, I love what they're doing at the moment with their sort of FLX project and the laser. It'd be interesting um, to do something um, with that technology because obviously it's sustainable. Um, the laser technology, it cuts out the whole um washing process that it's a lot of like chemicals and Mm -hmm. um, water usage there and the new technology of what they're using is amazing and they've started introducing that into their stores recently um and kids like people can do customizations um with artists like futura and they've done ones with like verdi and things like that um so it could be interesting to try and do something around sort of the content of what i create um and telling a story maybe about levi's archive through that um and then in terms of collaborations I can't think off the top of my head what I'd like to see to be honest (laughs) (laughs) I have to have a think on that one please yeah absolutely well we'll keep moving down the list but if it comes to you if you think of one you'd really like feel free to uh, just hop in and answer Um, in your life and in your work what are some of your inspirations um sort of people would you say or just in general uh let's leave that up to you whatever whatever comes to mind yeah i guess i'm always sort of inspired by like sort of photographers and sort of filmmakers like larry clark i love 
all of the kind of like movies and the photography of what he does he's always someone that I kind of continue to sort of to pull back into um over the years like every time you go back and look back at the images or you watch some of the old films of what he's done I always pull out new kind of inspirations um from what he does um so I'd definitely say that he's definitely one of my biggest kind of inspirations for sure um all right, Saul, I'm going to give you the last question because it is of your design. You're going to give me the, the honor of asking the heaviest, heaviest hitting question. We, <laughs> yeah, this is the got. big one. This is the one everyone's <laughs> waiting for. All right, so, Samataro, we have asked you about fashion. We've asked you about yourself. We've asked you about quarantine. We've asked you about denim. Covered most of our bases here, but there's one left to be untouched, and it could be our hardest hitting question. It's reduced people to tears, move them to screaming. It's been an emotional roller coaster for all guests involved. It Please has. don't let it scare you. We hope that you'll <laughs> face it with bravery and, and grace. Um, so if you were given a year, do you think that you could eat a wooden door, including its hinges and doorknob? And if yes, how would you go about doing so? It's a pretty tough question. Uh, <laughs> <It> is. <laughs> Just even thinking about it, to be honest, I guess the wood part might be okay, given that wood's organic and you could probably, I guess, break it down and maybe shred it and put it into like a blender and eventually drink it if you mixed it with like some milk or protein or something like that. Um, so I guess that's the way that I might try and tackle that part of it. I'm not sure about hinges and the, the doorknob. Uh, that would quite be a tricky part. You, I don't even know. <laughs> you kind of get through that, to be honest. Chewing on metal doesn't sound too easy. Maybe try and melt it down and doing it like a penny at a time. I know people that have kind of swallowed coins before and then it ends up coming out the other end. So maybe you could digest it by breaking it down into small nuggets. <laughs> yeah. but Very I, good. Yeah. I couldn't imagine the splinters would just, yeah, it's already bringing tears to my eyes at the moment. <laughs> it would be tough. I think but... the easier part to pass, to be honest, but the wood yeah. would be the best. Yeah, our, our go-to is always, I mean, we haven't sure. eaten a door yet. YouTube that's probably done that already, right? If you Google I'm, that. I'm sure someone's done it. Back I've in the 1970s. and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the 1970s, a guy ate an entire plane in two years. So I'm, I'm sure it's possible. <laughs> it's mad what some people do. It certainly is. Uh, so, Samuel, that wraps up our meat and potatoes portion of this podcast. But we're not done quite yet. Uh, we are a podcast, meaning we are an audio medium. And uh, that for that reason, we do also love music on this podcast. So we were wondering, what's a song that you've really been enjoying lately? Uh, your song of the week, so to speak. Uh, I was listening to a recent um, mix the other day from this um, platform called Bone Soda. Uh, this, um, these guys who um, run a radio show in London. And I was listening back to one of their mixes from last year. And they were, had an interview with a guy called Santi. Um, I think he's from South Africa originally and um, moved to Dubai to sort of do his studies. And that's where he started making all his music. Um, and I've started getting back in or getting into his music because I've heard his stuff out in clubs before, but I've never listened to his album 
Um, and I'd say the track of the week for me would be Santi Rapid Fire. All right. Excited Fair to enough. give it a listen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I haven't heard that one. Vibes. Definitely. Yeah. Well, uh, for anyone listening at home, that'll be added to our playlist called Spot or called Pair of Kings. It's available on Spotify. Uh, Saul, what is your song of the week? Uh, my song of the week is a classic. It's a uh, very high energy it's very uh upbeat um and if you tell the original artist to his face or call him what he called himself he will hit you um i have that actually on a first-hand account my song of the week is by marky mark and the funky bunch it is good vibrations Ooh, okay do you care sharing the story did you get hit by mark Wahlberg? No, uh, somebody <laughs> called Marky Mark, a.k.a. Mark Wahlberg, to his face, Marky Mark. Um, like they saw him and went like, hey, you know, hey, Marky Mark. And Mark Wahlberg ran up to him, said, what did you say to me? And it may have been exaggerated, but the person who told me the story was struck in some capacity by Marky Gee, Mark. Whiz. Um he might have been jumped later by the funky bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marky Mark does not like it when you call him Marky Mark. Wow, that is, seems is like a good vibrations. Has it got anything to do with Beach Boys at all, or is it just the same title? Um, I don't think they sampled um, Good Vibrations. I think they sampled somebody else who took inspiration from the Beach Boys' Good Vibrations, I think. So it's Inception. It's the third level of... <laughs> music mm. production exactly huh man that's a uh... oh, paprika <laughs> <laughs> that's the original of the inception <laughs> cool <laughs> what about you john song of the week um mine is a summary classic keep it on that same wave maybe not a classic per se but i really like the song it's by an artist named jacob ogawa and the song is called All Your Love. It's funky, oh. and it's just really fun to listen to, especially this time of year, I think, with the weather getting nicer and things like that. It's just, it just brings me a smile across my face, which we could all use during these quarantine times. Agreed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, yeah, like we said earlier, anyone in the audience, you can find these songs and more, because we've been doing this podcast for a long time now, on the Spotify playlist entitled Pair of Kings by Saul Thompson. Absolutely, yeah. So before we head out, before we do our little our outro, um, Sam, we want to give you the floor. Um, anybody you want to shout out, any things you want to say, um, these next couple of minutes or as long as you'd like are yours. Uh, so Plug whatever you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, caught me off guard now. I'm trying to think who you would be. <laughs> so shout out <laughs> <laughs> thought we were going to be signing off then um i definitely yeah just reinforcing some of the guys i guess i said before um yeah okay so for people that i'd say to follow and shout out um cold archive is a really great one they post a lot of um good stuff around um kind of subcultures it's all original kind of scanned images um they do a really good job with that um baby aspirin again that's amazing kind of archive imagery um they're basically 90s obscurities um big hmm. up justified arrogance um collectors committee uh, organic zip labs amazing one people might be familiar with that already i love that one um welcome.jp love yeah. what he does um hidden 
he's been yeah one of my kind of inspirations and i talk to him a lot and he's always doing incredible job uh cinder one of my favorites as well mm. young water gun outfit myth and undercover kosh the guy dasari um big up them pale usa um they're a really good brand to check out as well um who else is good i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well anyone listening at home you can follow samutaro on instagram and he posts constant good stuff and i mean you'll you'll click on a post and maybe you'll find someone new to follow from there mm-hmm. yeah i can't i usually in my stories i share a lot of the people who kind of inspire me or other like-minded accounts so you can keep an eye on there absolutely so Samuel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We had a ton of fun, and that was a super informational episode. Uh, means a lot that you came on and joined us today. No, thank I really you appreciate so you guys having me on. It's my first podcast, so I'm excited to be able to do it with you guys. Hey. Oh, well, we're excited to have you. Welcome to the the world of podcasting. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we've People me to do podcasting, but I haven't sort of delved into that kind of realm yet. We're four months in now, I think, and it's been a lot of fun so far. We've met a lot of great people through it. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I need to pour through some of your archive as well and listen back. To some- <laughs> Don't listen to the early ones. They're recorded on gaming headsets. So, <laughs> Saul, you want to take us out? Absolutely. So, as always, everybody, I am Saul Thompson, joined by my podcast co-host. John Hogaboom. And... Uh, this week or this Thursday, uh, Sam Mutaro, thank you again for coming on. Um, as always, this has been Pair of Kings podcast where we are bringing you business as usual, tomfoolery as planned. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in and have a great Thursday. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, guys. <laughs>